Raider Nation, it's that time of the week again. Subscribe and tune in to get the latest news and analysis on everything silver and black. But yes, the Las Vegas Raiders have their guy, Josh McDaniels. Looking for objective opinions and interviews with A-list guests? Just pod, baby. Congrats on 100 episodes. I'm happy for you guys. Keep doing your thing, and thanks for having me, man. It was a blast. Look no further. You are listening to Just Pod, baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast. Brought to you by SportsNot.com. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. And now your host, Evan Grote. Welcome back, Raider Nation. It's time for Just Pod, baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast brought to you by SportsNot.com. I am your host, Evan Grote back at it after an unexpected week off. I was planning to get a show out to you last week, but you know, I got all wrapped up in the NCAA tournament. I'm a huge college basketball fan, and so I do apologize for that. But we are here now, week two of free agency in the books, and Dave Ziegler has been busy making a lot of changes to the roster. I will get into some of those changes here this week, give you my opinion on how the roster is starting to take shape and how it will affect the draft plan as well. We have the Pro Day circuit now underway. Some of the notable quarterbacks were in the spotlight this week with C.J. Stroud thrown at the Ohio State uh, Pro Day and Bryce Young through this week at Alabama as well as Will Levis. And I'm now fully convinced that uh, C.J. Stroud will be the number one pick in this year's draft after the Carolina Panthers traded up for him. I do fully expect Bryce Young to go number two. I still think the Raiders, if they want to get into the mix, though, they could still try to trade up to number three. With the Arizona Cardinals, if for some reason one of those players um, like Stroud or Young happens to fall, you never know, uh, the Raiders would be in a, in a prime spot there to pounce on one of those two guys uh, at the three spot. The focus of the show this week, though, however, will be on uh, taking a look at the roster uh, that the players that were signed or re-signed in some cases and players that were let go or traded in the case of, of Darren Waller. Now, speaking of players that will not be back with the Raiders, I'm sure many of you saw it by now that Foster Moreau uh, announced on Wednesday on his Twitter page that he has Hodgkin's lymphoma, cancer. He he stumbled upon it really when he was on a free agency visit with uh, the New Orleans Saints and he was taking a physical. That's how they discovered all of this. Um, so it's you know bad news for him. Um, he's going to be stepping away from the game to take you know take his time off and, and try to you know as he battles this this cancer, which I'm fully confident knowing the type of player he is, knowing the type of guy he is. Um, that he will definitely be able to overcome this this hurdle here in his life. Um, uh, just another reminder to us as fans that these guys who play this game, they're humans like us. You know, they have real life problems. They deal with the some uh, same struggles that we do, and we can always be critical of these guys at times. I mean, that's what we do as fans. Um, we're critical of their performance on the field, but it's it's times like this where we we need to step back and, and just take a second and remind ourselves that that football is a game. These are humans. Football is just a game. It's it's for entertainment purposes only. And so I just want to make sure I you know put that out there. We're definitely going to be pulling for for Foster and and you know regardless if he is a Raider or not, we're we're pulling for Foster Moreau. Now I keep hearing. Uh, everyone talking this week, all the talk this week was about what is the plan? Every article that I read, every other podcast that I listened to or radio show, 
uh, that I that I heard this week. Everyone is trying to figure out what is the plan, and I'm not saying that I have that the answer to that question or that I have it all figured out. But here's my take on that. It has become a little bit more clear, I think, the picture now that we are two weeks into free agency, into two weeks into the the new league year. And we've had a chance to see some of the new players that were brought in to the team. I think going into last season, the plan was that they were that Ziggler and and McDaniel's were going to take over this team that finished ten and seven the previous year, who fought their way into the play playoffs, albeit by winning some some really close games that they benefited from. I think playing from you know playing against some extremely poor quarterback, opposing quarterbacks. But nonetheless, they got in, and, the, and we all know the Raiders dealt with their their fair share of controversy in that season as well. The regime decided to add a couple of high-end players, like a Devontae Adams, who played really well, and Chandler Jones, who did not play so well. And, I, and, and those moves got a lot of the fan base excited. And the brass talked about wanting to win now. But at the same time, always keeping an eye on on building for the future and building the team to be a long-term winner. But I think the the lines of communications got a little bit uh, blurry. There was some gray area there between what the fans thought was going to happen and what maybe really the long-term vision was here uh, from the front from the front office. Now, you can point the fingers at whomever you want about what happened last year. But the fact of the matter is this team finished six and 11. And, and and so that was plan a plan a was in year one. Uh, you can try to win now. Let's see what we can get from Gruden's guys, Gruden and Max guys, but that didn't work out. And, And now what is happening is they have shifted gears and there are, they're on to plan B, which is a complete rebuild. And that's what this is. Don't, don't let anyone tell you any differently. This is, a rebuild, and this is where I think most fans are frustrated and upset. And I, and I, you know, can only go off of the people that I talk to, and, and from what I'm reading from Raider fans on social media. But there seems to be a lot of frustration out there because you are now in year two under a new coaching staff and a general manager. And in most cases, when you have a change at the top, like the Raiders did, in year one is where you see all of the major turnover, the changes. The, the roster being completely overhauled. And that's that didn't happen with the Raiders in 2022. They rolled with mostly the same core group of players from the 2021 season, and they finished 6-11. and 11. So that's where the frustration comes in and the confusion. So now you're in year two with McDaniels, and you know following that disappointing season, season a year ago, and now they decide to hit the reset button. They move on from the quarterback that many in the fan base liked and, and many did not like. They traded away Darren Waller. They sign a lot of what seems to be insignificant free agents. And, and, and the fans are concerned that now when you look at the roster, there could be a very long season ahead for the Raiders in 2023. But that is the plan. It's a rebuild. The way I'm looking at it is that this is essentially year one all over again. You have to look at it as if, okay, they're coming in fresh right now, year one. Whatever happened last year doesn't matter. Mark Davis clearly allowing McDaniels and and Ziegler to see this through in in a completely different direction than they had last year. And, And as I said, the vision 
has now shifted and we just have to accept that and, and I'm going to continue to, to, to preach patience as, as difficult as that may be for some of you out there. Now, what the front office and coaches are telling you is that last season was on the players. They are telling you that they did not have the guys in-house that they needed to accomplish what they are trying to, to accomplish. And we will see now if they can get that figured out. We'll see now if that truly was the case or is the case. Now, let's take a look at some of the moves that have been made. I'm not going to go through every single move because there's been there's been a ton over the last two weeks since the last time we spoke. Uh, we have to start with Jimmy Garoppolo. He, he is the big... Uh, move that was made, you know, you know where I stand on this. I, I would have rather they didn't go in that direction, if I'm being honest. But at the same time, as I've said uh, many times throughout the course of the last couple months since they decided to move on from Derek Carr, is that I always believed McDaniels wanted to bring in a quarterback that was going to be familiar with him and his uh, his system, who who he has a history with. And that is Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, does he have the physical tools that Derek Carr had? No. Does he have the arm strength? Can he make the throws that Derek Carr makes? No, he cannot. Does he have the durability of Derek Carr? No, he does not. And that's those are major concerns. Those are major concerns, and that's why a lot of people are down on this move. But in some cases, it's not always about the physical tools. Yes, they do help, of course. You want to be physically gifted. But sometimes it's it it's also important to consider does that player fit the mold of what the coaching staff is looking for? Does the player have the mentality and the leadership qualities that the coaching staff is looking for? And you can't overlook the fact that Garoppolo came into the NFL and as he put it in his pre, uh, when he was introduced in his press conference, he said he was raised by Josh McDaniels. Those are his words, not mine. So at the end of the day, I think when you look at the contract, it's not crippling for the Raiders. It's actually a pretty team-friendly deal, I think. Uh, so I, I think it's a, I think it's an okay deal for the Raiders. And I do think that Garoppolo, yes, he's got plenty of warts. I understand that. But I do think he will bring some stability uh, to the offense. And that's something that the offense lacked last year. There was no stability. One game they'd look real good. Then they'd have a you know a good half, a bad half, a good quarter, a bad quarter. There was just no stability from quarter to quarter or week to week. Now another move that I want to discuss is the trade of Darren Waller. I have no issues with it. Waller, great player, love the guy, love the story, creates all kind of mismatch opportunities for the offense. He's a freak, 6'6, 240, 250 pounds. The way he runs, you love the talent. But he is 32 years old now, dealt with a lot of injuries, you know that. And based on some of the stuff that we had been hearing, whether it was going back to last year with the contract, that kind of stalemate they were in for a while where he wasn't at practice or the injuries, his name was floated out there in possible trades last year with the Packers. It just seemed like a split was inevitable at this point. And, you know, what's strange to me, though, is the timing. And I know there's a lot of other people out there who share those concerns. The rumors last year were were that they could have gotten a second round pick for him last year. They instead decide to keep him, extend him, make him the highest paid tight end. And then a year later, decide that it was time to move on. Now, in the Raiders defense, sometimes you don't always know exactly what you have. 
You don't always know exactly what you're dealing with until you've had the chance to work with a person for an extended time. So maybe that's that's what happened here. Maybe they thought they were getting something and then they got to the building, got to know Waller a little bit and, and personalities clashed for whatever whatever the reason may be. But but at the end of the day, I'm okay with the trade of Waller. Um, sometimes it's better to be a year early than a year late when you're moving on from a player. And so, you know, I wouldn't be shocked to see Waller be very productive still, but um, it, it just wasn't a fit at this point. And, and again, as I said, I, I felt like it was inevitable. Um, this is a very strong draft class as well. Keep that in mind as far as tight ends are concerned. Um, they've already done some work to add some other bodies to the to the room. They did re-sign Jesper Horstead, who our guy Mo Moten really is high on, really likes him. They brought in O.J. Howard and Austin Hooper. Uh, O.J. Howard, I'm not impressed with. You know, He's a guy who was a round one uh, draft bust out of Alabama. Since he's come into the league, I don't expect him even to be on the roster. If I'm being completely honest, I don't see it. Um, look at his production in the league. He's also dealt with injuries. Just don't see it there. I think he's a camp body. Um, but I do think in the case of Austin Hooper, I think he'll be a starter. I, I think he's a starting caliber player that you bring in um, with experience. He's He has a decent resume in the NFL, and, and you can pair him up with um, Horstead, and then you know, you bring in a rookie, and, and there is your new tight end room. Uh, some of the other moves... Uh, on offense, I was as surprised as, as many of you were when they went out there and, and made a move to bring in Jacoby Myers. I did not see that one coming at all. Um, I thought offensively, you know, the, the pass catchers was a strength of this team, but they decided that to make the move regardless. Um, Myers was viewed uh, as the top tight end on the open market, and they got him for $11 million. So when you look at it from a business perspective, it's a good move. You got a really good player who knows the system at a really good team-friendly price. So you look at it, it looks good. But you try to understand how it fits on the field. Myers played 414 snaps last year in the slot compared to only 264 out wide. How's that going to work with Hunter Renfro, who is primarily a slot receiver? Could Renfro be traded? That's the speculation that many people thought once that move happened. It, we all thought, okay, well, well, Renfro is going to be moved. It's it's still a possibility. I believe uh, he had some roster bonuses or guarantees that kicked in with his salary recently. So if a trade was going to happen, it probably would have made more sense to get it done prior to those that that money kicking in. But it didn't happen. And and but I'm still not ruling out a possible trade for Renfro. Uh, but if it's not made, I'm I'm sure that you know McDaniel's will have a plan, and you know Myers definitely can play on the outside as well, and he'd be a very good two, uh, number two wide receiver if he decided to keep Renfro there in the slot. Philip Dorsett was another wide receiver that was brought in. I saw they were also uh, meeting with DeAndre Carter, who played with the Chargers last year. A lot of wide receivers being brought in, but you know Philip Dorsett. You know, look, he he he's a one-trick pony speed. That that is all he really brings to the table. He's a he's a fast guy. I think he ran a four-three-three back in his combine. But he has done nothing of note in the NFL other than being a former Patriot, and that's really that's why he's on this team. He is a former Patriot. They know him. They they must have something they like about him. They bring him in. He's just a guy to me. Another person who I think is a camp body. 
who they want to take another look at, but I don't think he makes the roster. I really don't. So I wouldn't look too much into that move. Now, going into free agency, there were a couple of areas that many of us expected the Raiders to address, specifically on defense. We just talked about some of the moves on offense. We're going to shift gears over to defense now. I talked about some of those names on uh, the last show that I that I did. I would have liked to seen, you know, a, a top tier free agent signing on the defense. Instead, you get guys like Robert Spillane, Jordan Willis, Jaquan Johnson, John Jenkins, David Long, Duke Shelley, Marcus Epps, uh, Brandon Faison. They decided to bring back for a second tour, and you can spin it however you want. I've seen a lot of people out there, beat writers fans trying to spin it however they want. I'm not sure who you're listening to or who you're who you're following for your information, but in my opinion, I always try to call it exactly how I see it straight down the middle. To me, none of these guys are difference makers. None. I, I just don't see it. I don't see any of these guys coming in here and being long-term solutions. Are they band-aids? Possibly, yes. But none of these guys, I think, are going to fit in that long-term plan with the Raiders. Some of these guys, as I said with with Philip Dorsett, is I don't think they make the roster, and, and they're even with this team. You know, some of these players will stick around and be depth players. I do think it's possible a couple could fill a starting role. We'll get into that in just a second here too. But I'm not very impressed with a lot of the the players that were signed. Um, on the defense. I was reading some good, some positive things about Duke Shelley from his time in Minnesota last year, was really came on and ascended late in the season for them last year. He started out as a practice squad player. So you, you love the story. Uh, he was waived by the Bears. The The Vikings picked him up as a, as a practice squad guy, and he eventually worked his way into playing some significant snaps towards the end of the season and, and played well. Um, but he's a young player. Um, small guy, 5'9", 175, 180 pounds. That's small for an outside quarterback. Cornerback. Now, I, that concerns me. Anytime you have that kind of um, lack of size out on the outside, that's concerning for me. He did make five starts last year. Played pretty well, as I mentioned, in those starts. David Long Jr. Uh, was another player added to the secondary. Four secondary players were added in free agency in the last two weeks, so clearly that was a point of emphasis Rightfully so, the Raiders had a you know, one of the worst secondaries in the NFL last year. But but David Long is another young player. Um, Shelley is 26 years old. David Long Jr. is 25 years old. So there's room for growth there. Uh, Long was in more of a reserve role with the Rams last year. The Raiders are hoping that both he and Shelley can step into larger roles with the Raiders, develop into starting caliber players for this defense on paper right now. When we're talking about the secondary, it looks like you're going to have Trayvon Merrig and uh, the newly acquired Marcus Epps, who comes over in free agency from the Philadelphia Eagles on the back end starting as safety. Now, Epps, he is known more for his ability as uh, a defender in the run game. He earned a pretty high grade over at Pro Football Focus with an 81 run defense grade, and that ranked him 11th among uh, all safeties at the position. So that's pretty good. Um, and then at cornerback, if I'm kind of projecting the starting lineup right here, um, and there's a lot that could change still, but as I sit here today on, on March 20, uh, Saturday, March 25th, I believe it is, uh, you've got Duke Shelley and David Long Jr. on the outsides, 
and I believe they're going to kick Nate Hobbs back into the slot because he just had so much success there during his rookie year versus when he was on the outside last year, had some more struggles there. So I'd like to see uh, Hobbs back in the slot. The other notable move that I I do want to mention on the defense is Robert uh, Spillane. Comes over from Pittsburgh. He developed into a starter, 27 years old. Sounds like he's going to be given every opportunity to come into Las Vegas and, and earn the starting position, earn the green dot, and really be the leader on the defense. And that is one of the things that Spillane talked about when he was introduced to the team at his press conference is his, his willingness to be a vocal leader. And now that the Raiders have lost uh, Perryman from this defense, they're going to need somebody to step in and, and take on that role. But overall, when you look at the additions that were made on the defense— it's underwhelming. I have to be honest. It does not appear, or excuse me, I should say it does appear that they may have added three or four starters. We talked about the secondary players. I believe Spillane could come in and start. So you bring in, you know, starting caliber players um, along with some depth players and some guys that'll be special teamers, but does it make the defense better? Can you can you sit here today and tell me that you feel like this defense is better on paper than it was last year because I I don't think I can do that and just because you bring in some guys who you think can start on this year's team doesn't necessarily mean the defense is improved yeah you got starters you got guys that can fill some holes but are they gonna improve the defense on paper right now I still believe that this defense is a bad defense and I'm not trying to be overly negative here uh, but that's just the way I'm kind of seeing things take take shape here and and that really kind of leads me to my final my final talking point this week and it's all about how this affects what has been done here in the early stages of free agency how does it affect the plan in the draft now i shared a tweet out on saturday morning from warren sharp i'm sure many of you guys follow him he had a list he put out a list of the total snaps played in the last five years by players a team drafted themselves. Take a guess, if you didn't see the tweet, take a guess right now where the Raiders ranked. I'll give you a minute to think. The Raiders ranked dead last in the NFL in that in that category, in that statistic. Now, we're only talking the last five years, but the Raiders had a total of 11,904 snaps played in comparison now to the Cowboys who were the top team on that list, they had a total number of 91,901. Now, that hasn't necessarily trans transferred um, into success for the Cowboys, but the fact of the matter is that is what Dave Ziegler is trying to reverse. And his free agent moves tell you that. Yes, there are holes on the roster, but he is not going to go out there. He he did not go out there and try to fill those holes by reaching and overpaying for guys in free agency. Look at some of the terms that were given out to the new guys. Look at some of the money that was given out for those guys. For the most part, it was short-term deals, moderate amounts of money. Nothing like we have seen in the past. 
Uh, I was recently listening to a podcast from my buddy Scott Gilbranson and Mo Moten, their, their show Silver and Black today. They were talking all about the dead cap money that the Raiders are still paying from the previous regime. I believe the money the, the, the amount is like $30 million in dead cap space money that the Raiders are still paying off because of, of poor moves that were made from Gruden and Mayak, where they went out there and overpaid in free agency because they whiffed on so many draft picks. Now, the emphasis is clearly going to be on drafting well and developing. And it's not necessarily the, what the fan base wants to hear. It's not necessarily the sexy way to go about doing it. It's definitely not what excites the fan base. Free agency has become such a a, a big day in the NFL that fans look forward to. It's like Christmas morning. Like, which star free agent is my team going to go out and bring in this year? Everybody looks forward to it. They have countdowns on ESPN and the NFL Network. It's just, it's a big, it has become such a, a, a hyped up event. And for some teams, yes, that strategy has worked out to go out there and bring in a piece to, to kind of supplement to, the, to your team, add them to the things that you have done in the draft. But if you were to go out there and poll teams across the league, I would be willing to bet that many of them would much rather prefer to draft and develop their talent versus throwing money out there at big-time free agents. That's, that is the, the philosophy. I can't say for 100% certainty, but I've heard it time and time again. Now, the Raiders have 12 draft picks in the upcoming draft in April, and I think there is now a lot of pressure to hit on some of these players. The first-round pick is critical. Who will that player be? What position Will that player be? Let's talk about it for a quick second here. I'm still okay with Will Levis at seven. Quarterback, to me, is the most important player on the field. You got to have one, okay? Got to have one. They have a stopgap guy there right now in Garoppolo. I would also be excited to see that pick be maybe one of the top cornerbacks in the draft. Maybe it's Christian Gonzalez that falls to them at seven. Or Witherspoon, Illinois. Or maybe it's one of those top defensive line players. Maybe, who knows, Will Anderson. Okay, I don't know. Maybe it's an edge player like uh, Wilson out of Texas Tech. I would be okay with the top player on their defensive board. Okay, but getting back to the pressure. Because this roster is in rebuild mode, there isn't a ton of talent right now in the roster, especially on defense. There is urgency right now to bring in some guys that will be staples on this team. Staples. Guys that are homegrown talent that you can develop. And this is a process that will take time. I fully understand that. And I think a lot of the fans out there do as well. And I've been preaching patience. But that being said, they must walk away from this year's draft with some players. Some young guys that can contribute this year and you can hang your hat on and say, you know what? That's a guy we can build around. That is a, a young player who has shown me something this year that we believe is our kind of guy. He has the characteristics of what we are looking for on this team. Because if they don't, then it's going to be that much more difficult 
to not only continue to sell this plan to the owner of the team, which I think he's he's showing patience, and I think he'll be patient throughout the year, but it's going to be that much more difficult to sell that plan to your fan base because there's already a lot of people out there who are who are done. They're they're off the bandwagon. The honeymoon is over. It ended last year for a lot of these people. Okay, so they got to show something. They got to show some progress. And I'm not saying that they have to. That progress has to be in terms of the win loss record because as it stands right now, I find it hard to believe that this team wins six or seven games last year or this year or this upcoming year, I should say. I don't see it right now. I just don't see it. I'd be interested to see what the Vegas has the line at right now. I have to go take a look at that. I don't have it here in front of me, but they must show some stability in some area. They must show growth and development with their young players throughout the season because that is the plan that they are pushing. The plan is to draft and develop. That is how they're going to turn this team around. That is what they're telling us. So if they want people to buy in, that's the result that we have to see this year in 2023. I'd like to know what your thoughts are on that. So please feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at egroat 5 You can also shoot me a message through my website, justpodbaby.com. You know, I love to hear from you guys. Okay, guys, that is a wrap for this week. A quick programming note. I leave for Florida next week on Friday. Uh, so I am hoping to get something out to you Thursday evening before I leave, and then I'll be out of town until Easter weekend. So I wanted to make sure that you guys were aware of that so you weren't uh, searching for a new show. Uh, but we are going to begin to start looking ahead more into the draft, right, in the upcoming weeks because that is where our attention uh, starts to shift. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Please subscribe to Just Pod Baby. You can find it on all the major podcasting platforms. Take care, everyone. Until the next time, I am Evan Grote. And as always, just win, baby.